Well, grace to you, friends. It can still be said Happy New Year, I think. Um, if I haven't said it to you personally, then to all the listeners out there, uh, we wish you a blessed New Year. We wish that uh, at the beginning of 2023, you will be more like Jesus than you are today. And uh, every week you'll make great strides in your conformity to his likeness. Amen. And uh, well, that's that's the trajectory of our next little mini-series. And uh, typically, ABC's preaching calendar, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, a vast majority of the, our preaching diet is expositional series. You know, just seeing what the Bible says um, and going through books verse by verse as such. But periodically, we sort of take a break and do something topical. And that takes a little bit more work because there are a lot more verses to consider on one subject. And sometimes it's good to take questions to God and say, God, what do you think about this or that? And then hear from God what he says on those subjects. So with New Year still ringing around in our minds and, uh, well, I thought we'd take advantage of it and discuss what um, David Matisse calls habits of grace. Habits of Grace, and I borrowed from David Matisse, Justin Early, and Brett McCracken um, to put together this little mini-series called Habits of Grace. So there it is. I've, I've borrowed that title from David's book, but uh, I think I can break it down even further, and I'm looking forward to it. Here we go. Now, I'd like to start with uh, a trend. It's not a very positive trend, but it's something that is out there. We all see it, and sociologists have called it the death of expertise okay that's what they write about the death of expertise what does it mean that means that there's an unprecedented access to knowledge and information through our devices right through our, our technology there it's just unprecedented the amount of information that's come streaming into our minds on a daily basis and that is causing skepticism so, for example, if you have a medical condition, you go straight to your search bar and you, you're, you're searching and, and seeking information on that medical condition. And then when you actually go to the professional doctor, what's happened is sometimes you're even skeptical of what the, your doctor is telling you because of the information you've received through your device. It, it's the same with the educational systems. We've researched and We've got so much information, then we don't, we're skeptical of what the actual teacher is telling us, or the principal, or HOD, all right? And, and to, to make it worse, we actually take what we've learned and our opinions, and then we publish it. We publish that information on our various platforms, and then we're swapping comments, debating with others, and so we've got this vicious cycle that's going on and on and on. And the consequence of that is that it's creating a crisis of confidence. For instance, you see a photo on the internet uh, or maybe some article about the photo and you know what? No one believes the photo anymore because, I mean, has that photograph been manipulated? Has it been altered and edited? You see, there's a crisis of confidence. We don't even believe what we're looking at anymore. Um, it's just one vicious cycle. And then when we don't know, what do we do? We go back to the search bar and we begin again <laughs> looking for more information, creating more uncertainty, more uncertainty. 
added to that, friends, added to that, um, you know, not knowing what is certain anymore, is our already, our already challenge ahead of us is the challenge of faith. Right? And now add faith to that. Um, and it's always been a challenge to pass on the faith to the next generation. The church is the truth. It's the buttress of truth, the pillar. Right? And that's our, our mission. Our mission is to pass on this truth. And now it's, it's inhibited by this vicious cycle that's going on. It's especially challenging now. Um, and around certain issues of faith. I mean, everyone's got different opinions on, and different interpretations of the Bible. Then we see prominent Christian teachers falling for different reasons, abandoning their faith altogether. And, and then that story gets spun over and spun over and spun over. And that gets more airtime than the people who are being faithful, the people who are remaining in the truth. Are you with me? So if we don't remain anchored to the truth which has held the church together for centuries around the world. All right? We're going to end up with this tunnel vision. This tunnel vision. Just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Like doom scrolling. Creating a crisis of faith. Desperate to know what on earth is true. But... Brett McCracken talks about this in his book, Our Church is Losing the Battle to Form Christians. Okay, And I quote from him, The digital age, and more broadly our secular age, has brought a greatly expanding horizon that is shaping the ideas of Christians. The church is but one voice among many speaking to a Christian's life. A church's worship may occupy two hours of a Christian's week, but podcasts, social media, radio, streams, feeds take up 90 hours of their remaining week. With media usage averaging 145 minutes a day, that's two and a half hours a day, how, how can a few hours of Christian formation at church compete with the tidal wave of media rushing over people? Now, I'm resonating with that as a pastor. I, I mean, our concern, our aim this year, right, is that everyone has Jesus forming in them and them forming into the likeness of Jesus. That's our aim. And how does it compete with TikTok and news feeds and the like? So now more than ever, we need to be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ and shaped by the life of Christ. Amen. I know we're all saying yes to this. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to get to that now. But there are many obstacles to this goal. And each one of us are confronted by, you could say, a thousand wolves. A thousand wolves against us. And what is the goal? Ephesians 4.13 talks about the goal. This is our goal, friends. Attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature, which is the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to Him who is the head Christ. Amen? Right. I'm sure as you hear this, everyone is saying, yes, yes, I want that stability. I want that maturity. I want that confidence. I want that peace. Right? 
shaken but unshakable. I want that to be a, to make a difference. Right. And, and this is what Jesus calls us to. I just want to make a few reference. John 10.10. 10. Let me get there. John 10.10, 10, he talks about it. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 16.33 I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Matthew 11.28 You know this well. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am the gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, yes, yes. And if that's the kind of life Jesus calls his disciples to, if that's the kind of maturity, stability that Paul calls us to, then the question is how? How can you and I have that kind of life? All right? And the short answer is we find that life in Christ, that, that maturity in Christ, that rest for our souls, right? In the rhythms of life, we find that in Christ. And by attaching our life around the person, the work, and the ways of Jesus. And to make it even more simpler, put in one word, creating habits or disciplines that Jesus did. Okay? By cultivating the habits he calls us to. By walking the same paths the church has walked for millennia. Jerry Wilson puts it like this. Christ did not say, come to me, all you who are seeking self-improvement, and I will give you steps. No, Christ has called us to something deeper. Christ has called us to himself. But, and there are practical ways to access this grace. To access this grace. All right. Here's a illustration. So, uh, it's, it's a borrowed illustration uh, from one of the authors that I've talked about. He's looking across his lounge window and he sees, you know, every morning, half past five, this group of runners. They're assembling on the road. They're stretching. Uh, they're in their latex. They're in great shape. They're in good vibe. Um, and off they go. And they disappear for half an hour. They come back striding into the driveway. They look great. They are healthy. They've got great speed. All right, And then in his lounge window, he finds himself doing this cost-benefit analysis. And although he may want that speed, he may want that health, he may want that look, all right? he may want that same freshness, that same vitality, the reality is he's not willing to change his lifestyle for it. <laughs> but it's a no. It's a no. As much as he would like it, his life, the cost on his lifestyle is just too much for him. And I think that's how a lot of us feel about Jesus, if I can be honest. We read stories of his joy. We read stories of his resolve. We read stories of his patience, his relaxed manner. He's always balanced. We hear his invitations to live life to the full. We say, yes, easy yoke, yes. Soul, deep rest, yes, I'll have it. But we're not willing to adopt his lifestyle. Now, in Jesus' case, of course, friends, anything given to him, any death in his name, there is a greater reward. In Jesus' death, 
right? He goes to the tomb, but he lives again and resurrected, risen, ascended on high. The same with us. In Jesus, there is death. But there's always a resurrection after the death. Come on. Come on. So this series is about, you know, it's just a motivation to adopt better habits. So in your lifestyle for Christ. And I'm fairly confident that you already know all of them. They're not spiritual secrets to success. Uh, and, and this series is not going to be weeks of guilt trips. But they're going to be invitations to what Jesus is calling us to. To what the church has always pursued. To this great reality that you can have all that Jesus has said. Alright, so I'm kicking off from Psalm 1. Verses 1 to 3. Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. And I'm starting with Bible reading. Um, it's Bible reading. Here we go. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And just so far, may God bless the reading of his word to all of us today. Friends, there are a lot of good reasons I could share why it's important to cultivate a habit of reading your Bible. I mean, it glorifies God when you're attentive to what he says. Um, he has told us to do it. Jesus did it. Jesus loved it. Jesus memorized it. Jesus quoted it. And his followers did the same. Now, I'm anchoring this appeal in Psalm 1. And here's the main reason it's a little bit selfish, but it's not unbiblical because it's promoted a lot in Scripture with this motivation. Okay, A lot of godliness and holiness and righteousness is motivated all right, by blessings. So here it is. Blessed is the one. That's it. That's the main reason you ought to have the habit of reading your Bible. That's it. Because it will bless you. Because we desperately need it. Desperately need it. Now hear me nicely. Reading your Bible is not a work trying to gain God's acceptance. Hmm? Your approval is secured through faith in God, not your Bible reading or lack of. But, but, blessings are often promoted in the Bible. Okay? And particularly reading your Bible will bring you great blessings. Will have, in other words, practical value when you read it. It will do stuff for you. Romans 15, 4. Let's See what Paul says. Romans 15 verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance 
taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Why should I read my Bible? Endurance. That's why I should read my Bible. To be taught, to have endurance, to have encouragement, to have hope. 2 Timothy 3.16. Why should I read my Bible? All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why I should read my Bible. Psalm 119. You can, I won't read the whole thing. You can read that whole thing. But I just want to pick at it. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. In other words, how can you sin less? 2022. Read your Bible. So we can conclude, when we don't read the Bible, it's to our detriment. And we forgo so many blessings. So friends, we should be reading, meditating, studying, praying, singing the Bible, because we desperately need it. And I'm telling you that because I don't think anyone else is telling you that. <laughs> no one else is going to tell you that. God has written a book to you. to you, And there are three things Psalm 1 says that will bring you benefit this year. Number one, it says in verse 1 that it will silence the scoffers. All right? You reading and meditating on God's word, you giving God's voice volume, you opening the valve of God's word will do what? It will close the valve, drop the volume, mitigate, quench everything else particularly the scoffing voice. That trajectory of walking with the wicked, standing with the sinners, sitting with the mockers, that is all inhibited when you start opening the valve of God's word. The larger, the longer, the higher that valve is opened, the broader, in other words, the less the walking, the less the standing, the less the sitting with Marcus, the less the influence, the less the progression down that ungodly path. So it will bless you because it's going to limit the voices of scoffers and expand the voice of God. Expand the voice of God. Now, Brett McCracken talks about a wisdom pyramid. Um, I'm sure you're all familiar with a nutritional pyramid in your minds, okay? And on, in a nutritional pyramid at the bottom, You've got your fibers, next level, vegetable and fruit, next level, dairy, poultry and protein, next level, at the top of the pyramid, you've got your oils and sugars. Okay? All right. So you can see the volume of nutrition. That What is the base of your nutrition? Your fibers, your fruit and veg, then your proteins and dairy, and then your sugars. Right. Now, he's used a similar illustration for wisdom. He's called it a wisdom pyramid. All right. The foundation of the pyramid is the Bible. On top of that, your fellowship with the church. Right? Teachings of the church. Then you have nature, because God reveals himself through nature. Then you have books, good books. <laughs> then at the top of the pyramid, you have the internet and social media. 
Now you ask yourself the question, all right? Is this pyramid upside down in my life? Hmm? How much time were you spending doom scrolling? Spinning through what may or may not have happened and having hardly anything trickle down to the bottom. To the bottom. But when it comes to the diet of the soul, that kind of imbalance will have an impact and produce a very negative economy if that triangle is upside down. So the pyramid, I think, the wisdom pyramid, I think, is one way to consider what Psalm 1 is showing us. That we can, to some degree, control what voices we have ringing between our ears. And when we choose to cultivate more Bible reading, you are mitigating the voices of scoffers, maximizing the voice of God. And the Bible says that will bless your soul. Amen. Number two, it says in verse two that if reading the Bible will be a delight. Okay, Psalm 19. It'll be a delight. Psalm 19. Let's read that together. From verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much then much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servants also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And verses 1 to 6, he's talking about nature. But here the law of the Lord is a, is a delight. So if you have any experience in this, then, then you know what the psalmist is talking about. Now I can imagine that all our listeners out there are at different places today, but may this open a new perspective on the hope of Bible reading in your life, that it can become a delight. But maybe, maybe for some, it's just too much. I mean... Have you ever loved God's commands? You know? Have you ever said to yourself, forget the sugar, pass the Bible? <laughs> you know? Truthfully. Maybe the Bible is boring or it's complicated or frustrating. I think all of us have been through these seasons where that seems the case. But friends, like everything else, delights are cultivated. Alright? Let me talk about coffee. Hmm? Now, I'll take coffee over honey any day. But this delight, it took time. It took time to get to delight in it. You don't have to tell me to have coffee. I mean, I'll have it. I'll prepare for it. I will grind the beans. I will percolate it or brew it. I will wait the right time for it to be brewed. I will make sure the water is at the right temperature. And I will drink it neat just like that. It's a delight, all right? 
but it took time. And the only way to make it a delight was to drink it. it maybe it's a bad illustration, I'm not sure. But we have to start. We had to start. And the Bible, you know you need it. You know you need it. Read it. And may it become a delight that you love it. That you love it. Because it will bless your life. Often people work out at the gym. Why do they discipline themselves working at the gym? Why are they there for hours, maybe two, twice a day, if not just once a day, going through all that pain? Because they love the results, that's why. And because they love the results, they love the training. And similarly with the Word of God, you love the results, you're going to love the training. Thirdly, reading the Bible is going to promote perseverance. Verse 3. Here's the tree, right? Here's the tree. It's steady, in constant supply, all right? It's, it's not dependent on the seasons of rain. Even if droughts come, uh, it's getting nourished by the stream. So, meditating, reading the Bible, you'll find nourishment in the hardest of times. You know, and maybe... Those seasons, there be seasons like that. Maybe sometimes the sermons are not great. The Christians around me are not great. The ministry is dull. Um, there just seems to be no water for your soul. All right? But if you're reading your Bible, if you're reading your Bible, that is streams of living water. And if you're reading the Bible, you will bear fruit in season. It doesn't mean that, you know, you connect in your Bible, you're going to be a fruit-producing machine. No, in God's time, Fruit will come. Fruit will come. And you will bear fruit consistently at God's appointed time. So the fruit is sure. Why is the fruit sure? Not because of the tree. The fruit is sure because of the supply to the tree. All of this is a picture of strength and stability, consistency, faithfulness and maturity. And again, not because of the tree. If the tree was planted somewhere else, it would freck. Ne? But it's not. It's planted by streams of living waters. And because of that stream of living waters, it had the nutrients to maintain its consistency and its beauty and its pr pr uh, significance, its productivity. And the same for us, friends. Reading our Bible has got more blessings. More blessings. Paul Tripp. Paul Tripp describes um, when we look down at our life and perhaps see a lack of fruit. All right, And he says this, When we take stock at times of our lives, we may be concerned that we see a more dead tree than we wish we did. So to remedy that, we do things better. Just stop yelling. Just eat better. Just be nicer. Just don't be on the internet so much. Paul continues to say, It's like going to an apple tree with a bag of apples in one arm and a stapler in the other and stapling new apples on a dead tree. For a little while the tree has the appearance of fruitfulness, but you haven't addressed the fundamental problem that what the tree needs is not the appearance of fruit, it needs nourishment at its roots. It needs soil, water to truly bear fruit. End quote. So 2022, friends, we don't need new behaviors or even resolutions. There's no power in a resolution, but there is power in a habit. All right? We need new habits stuck on our trees. New habits. Sorry, that came out wrong. We need new habits 
four archery. And one of those habits is Bible reading. And the fruit will come in God's appointed time. We need that source outside of ourselves. That's God's Word. Now we're already like week one into 2022. And I don't know about you, but um, you know, are we going to make it? Will we even bear fruit this year with all that's coming ahead of us, with all that's screaming at me through my cell phone, right? Now for some of us, you don't need to be asked to read the Bible. Bless you. Praise God for that. And you keep persevering in that. But for some, maybe this is new and you've never not been provoked to this degree yet. Then, I would say, you need to make a plan. Make a plan. A place, a time, and a method. Once you've got your plan, just do it. Just do it. And do it small bits, small steps. 15 minutes. Not one hour, not two hours. 15 minutes. Maybe twice a day, 15 minutes. Focus on one book. Focus on a group of books. Wisdom, history, prophecy, um, narrative, gospel. Just, you know, sometimes we take on a big project. It's too much and we get... We just get consumed by the bigness of it. So start small. Um, Focus on the seasons of your life. If you find that your mornings are better, then do the mornings. If you find that this season of my life, evenings are better, then do it in the evening. But whatever you do, whatever plan you've made that you're just going to do, even no matter how small it is, or how, whatever the scope of focus, do it prayerfully. Ask God, God, show me. Show me more of yourself. And ask God, God, please show me more of me. More of me. Ask God, Lord Jesus, I want more of you in my life. And with Bible reading, with Bible reading, ah, as that is your foundation on your pyramid, it, it, it can't be inverted. It can't go wrong. You couldn't have a better base. You couldn't make or cultivate a better atmosphere for rich, life-transforming grace, for a harvest of righteousness, for fruit rather than thorns. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, fill ABC with the life of Christ. Fill me with the life of Christ. Help us to find refreshment for the soul in my Bible reading. Help me to have that delight in reading your word. Help me to value it greater than anything I could own or have. It is how kind of you, God, to be a God that wants to speak to me personally. How kind is that? How kind are you that you want to reveal who you are, what we are, and what your will is? Father, I pray that we would take this motivation and see it afresh and apply it immediately into our lives. And by your Holy Spirit, bring your comfort, bring your counsel, bring a positive economy, not just in our lives, but in our families' lives and the people connected to us in their lives for 2022. Revive us again, Lord. Amen.